Well, Brian, this is a very nutritious lunch. All the food groups are represented. Did your mom marry Mr. Rogers? Uh, no, Mr. Johnson. Huh. Well, here's my impression of life at Big Bry's house. Son? Yeah, Dad? How's your day, pal? Great, Dad. How's yours? Super! Say, son, how'd you like to go fishing this weekend? Great, Dad. But I've got homework to do. That's all right, son. You can do it on the boat. Gee! Dear, isn't our son swell? Yes, dear. Isn't life swell? Mm. Mm. <clears throat> all right. W what about your family? Who, mine? Yeah. It's really easy. <clears throat> Stupid, worthless, no good, goddamn, freeloading son of a bitch, idiotic, big mouth, know it all, asshole, jerk. You forgot ugly, lazy, and disrespectful. Shut up, bitch! Go fix me a turkey pot pie! What about you, Dad? Fuck you. No, Dad. What about you? Fuck you! No, Dad! What about you? Fuck you! Is that for real? You want to come by sometime? That's bullshit. It's all part of your image. I don't believe a word of it. You don't believe me? No. No? Did I stutter? You believe this? Huh? It's about the size of a cigar. Do I stutter? See, this is what you get in my house when you spill paint in the garage. See, I don't think that I need to sit with you fucking dildos anymore. Ah! <laughs> Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got shit on me. I am the I'm so much crazier. I am the one who knocks. Go ahead. Make my day. Best day before you. That's Brock. Everybody on? Dramatic synth noises! Synth, synth, synth. This is Facing Off. This is the 80s. I'm Nick. That's Gabe. Below Hi. me. And that's Layla above me. Hi. Because we're it's... on Zoom. Yeah, it's a little different for me. And yeah, no, it's not. It's not different for anyone. What I'm seeing is what everyone is seeing. Reality. Oh, true. And what we say about movies is what everyone should think about movies. Because this that's is true. Facing Off podcast where we compare contrast and rate two movies with some sort of similar thread between them i already introduced everybody so that means we started yeah we started and we're kicking it old school with the 80s we did just mounds of cocaine before this <laughs> so uh, we danced around we fought over who was gonna <laughs> keep our the records once we break up um yeah, we We've played all the sack been shirtless. While ripping, ripping in sweat. Yeah. Ripping just, in sweat. Just, just gooey. <laughs> what? 
Ew. Okay. Gooey with sweat. Anyways. <laughs> wow. What? What's wrong with your sweat, man? You need to go to a uh, doctor. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> uh, my sweat's normal. I actually don't sweat gooey. that much. Uh, and it's not gooey. Um, yeah, we're doing St. Elmo's Fire and Breakfast <laughs> <So>. Club. <laughs> brat Pack, baby. And we are the Brat Pack. We're a pack of brats. Uh, Nick, what are these two movies? Brats with a Z. <laughs> uh, these are two oh, 80s movies. Starring Emilio Estevez, Ali Sheedy, and Judd Nelson as three members of a group of unlikely and very different friends who are also stereotypes, but who also have depth and who also discover something both about the meaning of friendship and the roots of their own identities. Wow. wow. Isn't life swell? Uh, swell with a yeah. Z. I actually, Layla and I had like come up with this pairing a while ago. And then when I was yeah, watching it, I was like, Oh, these aren't really that similar at all. And I thought for the longest time these were both John Hughes movies. They're just Brat Pack movies. Like John Hughes only yeah. did Breakfast Club. And they then came Joel out Schumacher a year did. like apart, right? I no, think. the same year. Same but they Irish were like twins. months apart. Yeah. Um, but I mean, both of the movies are like the foundation of the Brat Pack. Like they, if you look, I mean, they were they there were movies before it that were part of it, like Pretty in Pink and Sixteen Candles. I think were before. Um, or at least 16 Candles was. But if you look at these movies, most of the people that are part of the Brat Pack are in at least one of them. But I also, part of, part of the reason I felt like they were a great comparison is because they're similar in the sense that it's like a different time in their lives, but they're truly trying to figure themselves out in that time of their lives. And they have yeah. a lot of moments where they're working through that together as a group, which is happens in both movies. So. Even if yeah, it's college versus high school or adulthood and versus high school. That's the podcast. That's you the point <laughs> us on we Facebook. did it. <laughs> we figured think, it out. I think Nick tied it together as well. So, yeah, that, I think we, we got it all together. But why don't we figure out which one of these we liked more uh, using Easy. a super arbitrary system uh, where we rate based on five categories on a scale of one to seven, one being lowest, seven being highest, uh, four being average or neutral. Uh, let's get into the first category, the first of five, uh, actoring. I think oh, because these are whoa. famous Brat Pack ensemble movies, we got to start with the actors that and their sense. performances and whether the writers and directors helped them, uh, to have the best performances they possibly could that made them believable in their roles. So first, a dance sequence. <laughs> yeah first a montage of smoking weed or getting drunk and dancing and playing the saxophone uh no let's start with the dance sequence movie let's start with breakfast club sure uh layla okay kick us off i had a feeling you were gonna ask me to kick it off and i was so ready to do spectacularity <laughs> okay um i this give is breakfast the most fun club... thing for me is is surprising you guys with the i know throwing me throwing yeah. me um <laughs> it's I gave... all you've got <laughs> I gave Breakfast Club a six for acting. Um, oh, actoring. Actoring. Uh, simply because I think the writing of each of these characters is spectacular. And I think each actor does an incredible job bringing their character to life. And like, it's they're, they, the stereotype that they're supposed to play, each one of them does it in such a special and remember, like it's a, you remember their performances and it's like something you draw on when you think of those stereotypes. And I think it's such a testament to the actors themselves. I mean, 
Ali Sheedy in this movie is just unreal. So her her physical acting in this movie is incredible. And the her, little noises she makes. Totally. Every, <laughs> like all of her little mannerisms throughout this film are just she's the perfect weirdo and the perfect like isolated human being and um, I mean, obviously, each one of them does their own thing really well. Like, Emilio Estevez, as much as I, like, don't really care for him, is a great douchebag jock. Like, he is. He just is. He plays yeah. into that really, really well. And Molly Ringwald is the perfect bratty, popular female teenager. Like, they just... And a lot of that is lent from the writing and the way that they created the character for them. And they could just play into that really well. But I just think this is... Like you said, the reason we're starting with actoring is because this movie is really built around the characters that they built. And um, they did a great job. And I, I remember these characters and I know these characters so well because of how well they portrayed them. So I gave it a six. Uh, that's a great last point. Uh, Why not a seven, though? Nick, are you giving it a seven? I'm going to give it a seven. <laughs> what? Okay. Why not? Explain yourself. That's the whole point of the movie. The whole that's the whole draw is you've got Judd Nelson full on uh, becoming the king of the world. Um, Ali Sheedy crushing it. I don't really like Molly Ringwald, but you're right, Layla. She's good at what she's doing. Emilio Estevez is wonderful in his little role. That's also like just such a I play a sport meal that he eats in that. It's so funny. <laughs> that's a great moment that the Dude, acting in that lunch. with everyone yeah. around him. Do you guys know like jocks in high school that would bring like full on coolers to school? I've never seen someone eat that much. In <laughs> well, not that. Thing, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that much, yeah. but it's a, it's an over, have, it's an exaggeration I, of like, I literally knew dudes that would be like, this is my lunch. Well, I guarantee like, you Daniel that's Kane a, did it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Exactly. Like, dude, that's a cooler. What do you have in there? And they're like, a chicken, some roast beef, a pizza. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I think that Gleason's killing it. Oh, he's so good in this. Is <laughs> the principal who is straight oh my God. up Incredible. should be in jail for for abusing children. But, you know, But hey, such a great depiction the of that kind of stuff in the 80s, though. Such a great depiction yeah. of power plays. Like, yeah. just I so just think, great. like, I am... Up front, not the biggest 80s movie fan, not the biggest teen movie fan, but if any movie gets, if any teen 80s movie gets a, a seven in actoring, it's Breakfast Club. So, Can I answer your question, though? Because you asked big. me why it's not a seven. I think yes. sometimes they go a tiny bit too far in their performances. Like sometimes yeah. it's a little bit over the top. So it, it's, <clears throat> I can't quite give it like a, this is just an outstanding, perfect performance. There are some moments where I'm like, I love how outrageous this is, but it's a little bit outrageous. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I love the performances. I think they're exactly what they need to be for the movie. I, I do think like sometimes they go a little too far, but they're they're good. I don't think anyone like I think Judd. It's a great ensemble, but it's like Judd Nelson is the only one that like blows me away because it's just he steals every scene. I mean, the movie is just like. You know, everyone gets their time, but the movie like revolves around his character. Essentially, he's enigmatic. Like he, you just like are yeah. drawn to what he's doing in every scene. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I love the <laughs> his comedy is also really good. Like he's like, don't you want to hear my excuse? I'm trying for a scholarship, and then like does the <laughs> um, dunk. Uh, yeah, I, it's really <laughs> funny that in the same year, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, and Emilio Estevez are supposed to play 
kids and adults, yeah. and we're just supposed to be like, yeah, I believe either of those. And like it they works. both look. It kind of works. It like <laughs> for each movie, I'm like. Uh, not really. Like, you're either too young or you're too old for your role. But it, it's – they're not. You know, I mean, it, it ended up working in terms of, like, its legacy. Um, I also think Paul Gleason is, like, the best villain slash, like, shitbag ever. I love – I always forget about Carl the janitor. But I love the scene where he actually gets vulnerable and you see, like, why he's acting this way to the kids. Not that it's excusable, but he's, like, <laughs> up there with my favorite principles with – uh Ferris Bueller, even though Paul Gleason didn't end up being an absolute monster of a human. Um, I also think Anthony Michael Hall is really good in this movie, and I think he works really well with Judd Nelson, and the way that they play off each other is great in every scene. Um, and that I, for the longest time, I thought Ali Sheedy was Parker Posey. In the, like, I thought Parker Posey was in this movie, and then when we're watching both of these, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Ali Sheedy was a thing at some point, so that makes sense. I don't think Emilio Estevez is that good in this movie. I think he does his role, but, like, he's pretty absurd. The one scene I love is when they're all smoking, and then he has his, like, footloose dance moment, essentially. Oh, my God. Because there's, like, these out-of-reality the scenes. glass shatters. <laughs> yeah, and the glass shatters. I, yeah, it's, like, fantastical. I was between a five and a six. I think I'll go with a six because I do agree with what you both said, that they do exactly what they're supposed to do. And these are iconic characters. Like, we remember these characters yeah. for so long. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go with a six. Let's talk about St. Elmo's Fire. Fire. (laughs) Another huge ensemble. Can we just start out? Rob Lowe (laughs) is so fucking yummy. Talk about absolute monster. Yeah, go ahead. Nick, kick us off with it. He's, I mean, he's great. He's really good. Uh, Ali Sheedy is fantastic. I don't know which movie she's better in, and that's a testament to how good she is in both of these. She's better in Breakfast Club, but she's doing more she's, in Breakfast Club. But I guess is a yes. good distinction. Yeah. Yes, she's really good in both. Um, I'm gonna go. Um, Demi Moore's good. Judd Nelson is great in what he's doing. It's awesome to see the juxtaposition of the two because he's just so different in this movie. He's and it's like nine months so after, more of an asshole in this, even though he's supposed oh, he's, to play the asshole well, be, bully. Well, that's because you feel empathetic yeah. towards his character in Breakfast Club, but his he's just a pure dickhead yeah. in Saint Elmo's he's Fire. The worst person just ever. The in worst. Saint Fire. <laughs> he's also full of corny, weird stuff. Like I don't like the writing. Insane Elmo's Fire, but like hardly at all. I was between a four and a five, but I went five because the performances are all pretty good. Aside from Emilio Estevez, who's just like not on and is also just like not a good We are just on opposite fire. <laughs> like wavelengths about Emilio Estevez in these two movies because I'm, I'm exactly opposite again. Weird. Yeah. This is wild. Are you going to elaborate on that? <laughs> I just I think Emilio Estevez is great in this. I think he's like doing a lot more. He's not just like, you know, being like a jock, like like straight face jock, like this is my life. But in um in St. Elmo's Fire, he's like fun. He's like a fucking crazy person. He's a straight up. Can we go back to your imitation of a jock? Um, anyway, he's, okay. dude, he's a he's a full on incel in St. Elmo's. He's an Fire. incel in St. He's but it's like a real. There's like so much range to his personality in it because when you get to the beginning of the movie, you think he's like the most. 
he's not the most mature, but he's the most like, I need to do something with my life. But he's an insane person in it. Like he's just, he gets so wacky about his obsession with this girl and about like changing his profession each each day that I just find his performance really fun. And I couldn't say that most of his performances in his career are quote unquote fun. Um, I actually think Andrew McCarthy steals this movie. Like I love the Kevin character and I think his name is Kevin in it. You have no idea. Andrew McCarthy's like, my favorite man of all time. Well, everyone should... I love Andrew McCarthy so much. He's great. <laughs> Apparently, he wasn't like good friends with them on the on the uh, set That's of fine, the movie. Andrew. Yeah, That's but fine. yeah, he's great. I just think he like he he looks like he's having more fun in the movie. Like it it seems like he's cracking all the time from his performance, and I kind of like seeing that. I also think to me as Jules, like that's a really iconic character, and like I feel like everyone knows a Jules in their life. And she really nails that. Um, I don't know. Mayor Winningham <laughs> is like good, I guess. I do not fucking understand her character. The yeah, uh, it's a lot. It, yeah, it's, it's like really. Worker. It's a really poorly written character, and it's like really cringy. Yeah. I think I'm out of four. <laughs> I, I'm not blown away by any of the writing for these characters, and I'm not. But but I like seeing them. You know. So it's like an average movie with them. Uh, you know, in the context. So I, I'm, was like, I, I, I'm between a three and a four. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to probably land on four because I'm just being mean. But I think the writing in this movie is unreal bad. <laughs> and bad. it is some of the most toxic fucking characters I've ever seen in anything Dude. in my yes. life. And I just hate them. I can't like any of them. Even Ali Sheedy's character at the end straight up tells Andrew's character, I used you to get over my ex when she full well knew that he was in love with her. (laughs) And they're like, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Yeah, I just. Let's get brunch. (laughs) Every single one of them. Every single one of them. I'm like, Demi Moore, like, yes, there is that person in all of our lives, but like, even she's a little bit over the top with the writing too for me as well. And the way she acts it out is a tiny bit over the top for me. Yeah. I just don't think I love Andrew and I think he's probably the most natural in this movie because his character's the most normal of any of the characters in the movie. And he's just like a normal dude who his main affliction is that he's, he has unrequited love and that's very natural and normal. And he's also trying to figure out his writing. Like he just has a normal storyline. The rest of them are fucking assholes and they're all psychopaths they're all crazy and like don't get me wrong i you're right about emilio he's doing a lot more in this because he was given more in this than breakfast club basically gave him nothing other than grunting and being dumb but like that's it yeah but i i've never been more upset by a character in my life (laughs) like i just he's doing a lot more crimes that's like effective for me because like just... if you if you're reacting in that way, sure, sure. Then you know what you're right because as far as far as acting goes, he did his part in that way, and I'll <laughs> talk more about how I felt about the rest of that and spectacularity. So I'm gonna stay. I'll say it a four. They do. Everyone does a fairly great job, and it's really just the writing that makes it impossible for me to be like, "This is good." Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna go to a four as well because the writing is not just like, "Oh, that line is cringy." I mean, the, it's like, 
oh, that character should be in jail. Well, it's not, yeah, even, literally. It's not <laughs> even just the character writing, like the writing of the dialogue. Like that Rob Lowe's monologue yeah. is like famously horrible. The St. Yeah. Elmo's Fire monologue at the end. Oh, my God. So it's so, he, so bad. He hates his own. He's embarrassed by that monologue. Um, he should be. He should be embarrassed about a lot. Yeah, sure. I mean, every scene he had with that social work girl is just unreal bad. I don't even know. So it's what so, were they even talking about with each other? I don't, I don't fucking other. understand I, that character. Let's I don't move know on. what's happening. So we gave fours all around for... Uh, for yeah, St. Elmo's Fire, for acting. Awesome. Let's talk about spectacularity. Let's talk about the engagement okay. level of these movies and uh, if anything like took us out of the movies or if we just had a fun time. Um, let's do St. Elmo's Fire. I, uh, While we're on it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off. Um, oh, cool. This is a movie about sex and relationships in which we see like almost no sex and all the relationships are fucking awful and <laughs> and nothing to root for. Um, I feel like it, it's really fast in its opening. Like it shows them graduating as a title sequence and then they're in the hospital and it's like very fast. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be really exciting. It brings everyone back together. Um, but then it just gets like really muddled and like complicated as the movie goes along. Uh, I don't, and it's unfortunately, and this goes into the writing of the characters. Like I just don't find these people interesting in any way. So I'm not really like as engaged with where they're going to go. I find Kevin and Jules to both be interesting in their own unique ways. So Andrew McCarthy's character and, uh, Demi Moore. Um, but a lot of the other stuff kind of pulls me out. I will say there are certain things that like definitely keep me interested. Like Rob Lo- Rob Lowe's saxophone solo is like one of the most absurdly eighties scenes ever. Such and an eighties scene. Everyone's it. coked out. Just like, it's just like in what raging. world would you go to a bar just because this dude's gonna be like shirtless, sweating everywhere, and just ripping the saxophone for like 10 minutes straight everyone in the 80s <laughs> it's Halloween, yeah. dude. It's ridiculous but I, I another thing the the soundtrack is really fun but the score like the theme song is like really iconic and so when you re-listen yeah. when you re-watch the movie like it keeps you in, uh, interested this movie is just so obviously made by joel schumacher if you've seen his movies he just makes these like flashy absolutely absurd things where he takes like normal stuff and cokes it up, essentially. Um, so you're, you're not going to be, like, pulled away. I think one scene that really, like, I, I care more about, like, the, like, they've built up the characters enough. I do really like the scene where they're, um, Alec and uh, Leslie are fighting over who gets what records while they're breaking up. Like, I, that's just a fun 80s scene. And I'm, I'm sure that was actually fairly realistic for people in a less comedic way. Um, having your record collection. I'm going to give it a two, maybe a three. Oh, two. I think a two is harsh. I went, I'll go with a three. It's slightly below. (laughs) There's too much happening in St. Elmo's fire. There's too many characters. It splits everyone apart. It's like meandering. And then at a certain point you start to choose, like you said, Kevin and Jules, you just like choose who you care about. And (laughs) then when it's the other people, you're just looking at your phone. (laughs) But, I mean, in the 80s, I don't know what you would be doing. Probably cocaine instead of your phone. Fuck, yeah. So, it's all endorphins. It's the same thing. If in the uh, 80s you were doing cocaine as much as, like, I pick up my phone, I would die in, like, 10 you minutes. Were, <laughs> you were fun, dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good time. I think a movie like this is just, like, to have something 
like a pattern of 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 uh, like what like viewer behavior where they're like, nah, I'd like only those two, and I don't care about the rest of them. Is like a disaster because then it's like this movie's not good at the end. It's supposed to be an ensemble cast, and it really just isn't. And they don't. It's all like a couple normal together. people and a bunch of sociopaths. Yeah. that you're like, I don't want to know. And Kevin and Leslie are together for like seven minutes. Yeah, it's weird. And then he way overstays Spo- his welcome. Spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we should have said that know. for the '80s movies. Some things move too fast. Yeah. Some things move too slow. It just ends up being blah, like meandering. It's below average, but I mean, some parts are fine. Yeah, I think there's enough in it. What about you, Layla? I gave it a three. I, I almost just feel kind of sad because, like, there's such a great, like, spine to this movie. Like, it has such a great yeah. backbone. Like, the concept is so there. And each character, too. Like, I like how with um, Judd Nelson's character, like, they, they start talking about his career. And I wish they focused a little bit more on each of their, like, paths in life as opposed to just their, like, grossness as human beings. But, like... His transition and how he was changing as a person and how all of a sudden he went from this, like, flaming liberal to, like, wanting to work for a Republican. Like, I wish all of that, like, wasn't just a butt of a joke or something. Like, I kind of thought that was all fairly interesting. And the same goes for most of the characters. Like, what was Ali Sheedy doing? Like, I wanted to know what she was doing with her life. Like, they just focused. Wasn't she? I, I mean, I think so. But, like, they just, they don't talk about it, really. Like, I just... They have a great backbone of what I said at the beginning where they could have talked about how when you leave college and Rob Lowe's character is supposed to be this. It's supposed to be when you leave college, there's a difficult time where you're trying to figure out the rest of your life and who you want to be. And they just threw that out the window. Like they just they didn't focus on any of that. And instead, they made every single person an asshole who just like was meandering through life doing dumb shit. Like, I don't even know what any of these people were doing. Like, Demi Moore, I get it. She's the person that, like, couldn't quite, like, get herself together and she had some trauma going on in her life and was coping with it and whatever. But, like, little over the top that, like, she had gotten all these credit cards and, like, literally just built this dream apartment for herself that was disgusting looking. Like, I just... I don't know. There's just so many I things that, that they... They they went in so many weird directions with so many of these characters, and they had something there. And then it's also just, like, too long. It's, like, an hour and 50 minutes, and it definitely did not need to be it an hour and 50 minutes. It felt long. It felt very long. Honest, honest to God, and now I'm ready to talk about it, you take Emilio Estevez's storyline out of it, and I think this movie would have been exponentially better and shorter and just less insane. I, I completely agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I like just, his performance in it. I don't think that it's... It's such a distraction to what's happening it in the movie. It does nothing for the movie. It literally, it, it doesn't even do anything to for the, him. The <laughs> themes that you were talking about, about like, you know, trying to figure out your life after college. And he's like, only because he keeps changing jobs and stuff. And he's the only one like really changing yes, jobs. Yes, except that's, that's like an afterthought, which yeah. is, the, that's the same. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, they have the backbone, but they can't seem to focus on the really important things that they should be in this movie. Yeah. And instead yes. we have him chasing this girl that... It, none of it makes any sense. Like we don't yeah, even have a really backstory. Pretty. I, I don't give a but fuck. He's a you psycho! Like he I don't care. Stalks her, <laughs> but she's really pretty. It's okay. It's so painful yeah, when he fucking really gets you... fucking murderous eyes and drives to the damn cabin. Like I, when it's he gets on the phone the calling sequences. her job, yeah. it's so weird. He's just like, "You tell her I planned this party for her," and he's fucking freaking out. And it's like, 
what the fuck is happening yeah, in and this then movie? Like, like, I'm not gonna wear her, his, his like, pajamas. Then he has this like romantic like kiss with her, and you, and she's like, "Oh wait, maybe." Okay, and then I'm thank like, you, fuck off, thank Joel. you, thank like, you for bringing this up. Why? Why does she play into it? She plays into it every time. There's not a re- single he's woman. He's really pretty. No, 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 no. <laughs> there is not a single <laughs> not woman on this that planet that would be okay no, with was what was happening. No matter how fucking pretty the man is. Like, yeah. that shit is nuts. And for them to write her being cool with it, there's so it's many weird. problematic things exactly. in Exactly. You pulled out of the movie a lot. So I think it's fair that we all gave it a three out of uh, seven. Let's talk about Breakfast Club. In, in, an infinitely more likable movie. <laughs> and it is considered a classic for that reason. Um, I gave it a six out of seven. I think it's super fun. I, I enjoy being in it. Like... I don't think I'm ever bored watching Breakfast Club. I think sometimes I'm like, ah, do I need to see this movie a million more times? Probably not. But I do enjoy it each time I do. So I'm glad it had been a while since I'd seen it. One of, also, one of the best soundtracks ever. Um, I, I just I, Any 80s movie kind of nailed it back then. Um, I like how they set the movie up. Like, I think the opening narration, like, really nails, like, what the movie's going to be about. And it gets you interested in it. And it gets you to actually want to care about these characters. Um, I think it has, like, a really weird structure of, like, you don't really know where the movie's going or, like, what... We know that they're going to become friends, but you're like, what what's going to like fill all this time, but it works because there's a lot of different dialogue scenes that are like, you learn more about the characters, but, or they're like ridiculous montages. Like the one where they're like running away from Vernon through the halls. And like, it's like kind of like a music video where Ali Sheedy's in the middle and she's like, and like they're running past like a Scooby-Doo montage. Um, yeah. One thing that I fucking love about this movie that I just noticed this time that really drew me in is the sound mixing is incredible. He like yeah. turns up the sound on little noises. So anytime like Ali Sheedy's like, like when she's biting her nails, it's super yeah. loud. Or when she's like crushing the chips, um, and makes that like weird ass sandwich. Like you, you mean her Captain it's Crunch? Captain, it's Captain oh, Crunch. Oh, she puts Captain Crunch and Pixie Sticks on it. Yes, it's the greatest wow. sandwich of all time. It's definitely not. It's probably disgusting. <laughs> um, some that was that was Ali Sheedy's idea to to use Captain. Oh, Crush that's so funny. That made the sound. Yeah. I also think like there's obviously there's and I'm sure you guys will talk about it. There's like great emotional pulls in this movie, and I really think like the moment where they reveal why Brian is in there is the moment that you're like, oh fuck, like. This movie, like, you really care about these kids. And it's, like, a pretty emotional thing. And then it so perfectly turns into comedy when they find out it's a flare gun. And it went off in his locker. And to be able to blend that kind of, like, drama straight into comedy is really great. So, um, yeah, it's, like, well above average for me. What about yeah, you guys? I, um, so I gave it a seven um, for... A lot of the reasons that you just said. So I'm going to tie into kind of where you left off. Um, This is a perfect dramedy to me. And Mm. the pacing that you were talking about where it's like a little wonky Mm. and different. That's what makes this movie spectacular. Every scene shifts the mood. And every scene is particularly important at establishing the nuances and differences between each person. And the stereotypes and tropes that they're trying to portray. But like, you know... They they like you said they switch from 
creating a lot of empathy for each character with a lot of drama to very quickly like allowing for them to bond with each other and like be and like by the end of it you feel how much they care about each other because they've gone through all of these like very human moments um so i love the pacing of the movie i love the montages that are thrown into the middle of it to like it's such it's like a multiple genre film and i love that yeah um I can rewatch this movie endlessly. It's like top five favorite high school movies ever for me. Whoa. Um, it's great runtime. Love an hour and a half movie. It's one of yeah. my favorite runtimes of all time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> top five favorite runtimes. Top um, five favorite I don't know. I'm more uh, of a one hour and 28 minute person. But, uh, <laughs> I, like a, I like a one thirty. Boys. Yeah. Boys, uh, I also adore the R rating on this movie because oh, high yeah. school kids are crude as shit. They're just they're they're crude. They're awful. They say mean things. They say all the swear words. They're mean to each other. And I love that they are true to that because any high school movie that tries to play it off like they're not is just false. <laughs> um, so I, yeah. And then I do think the nuances between indiv- like the characters are really really great. Like Judd Nelson and. Um, I don't know his um, his name, the dork. What's his name? Anthony in real life? Michael Hall. That they have unreal chemistry in this movie. Like my favorite comedic moments happen between the two of them. Yeah. Like when when he's putting the uh, <laughs> when he's putting the chair in the door, and Judd Nelson's just making fun of the principal, and he says, "What are we gonna do if there's a fire?" And the dork is just like, "Oh no, there's actually fire exits at the front and the back of this <laughs> yeah. building." And just like the way they play into each other, and how like naively the dork answers to this this pure sarcasm at all times is perfect they have incredible comedic timing so any movie that can flow through comedy and drama the way that this movie does is just like a seven for me i think it's just incredible yeah i totally get that what about you nick if if he gets up we all get up it will be anarchy (laughs) it's just really funny and and I mean, it means a lot by the end. I want six. I mean, I'm really close to a seven, though. Um, I think that because of how... Like, I, I hadn't seen this in a really long time. And I think because of how funny some of these lines are, like, the so I can vote line is just... It's so good. About why just he has so a good. fake ID. Yeah. Why do you have a fake ID so I can vote? <laughs> it's a it's a great actual testament to his acting as well because he yeah. the way he says it is so genuine. Oh, he's <laughs> incredible! And then they movie. just like brushes it into the next. It's so funny. Like I'm really close to a seven. Um, do it. Like you don't need much beyond the endearing characters to keep you looped in, and like easily it's a five with how well it's written. But then you you also have it be funny like. It's very clear that that John Hughes let them Im- improvise, and that makes the movie even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool because it's contained. Yes, like that's oh. part of what makes Saint Elmo's Fire. I knew you were gonna cream your pants yeah. when I said. Fucking contained. love a good contained movie. Saint Elmo's Fire. <laughs> Layla did not like your language. Though. <laughs> Sorry, it's so meandering because it's like all over the place literally it's in so many different like characters and in different places and breakfast club is all in one spot and you just watch these people meet each other or at least grow more acquainted with one another and then you punctuate it at the end with the note so it's a seven why not 
Oh, love yeah. it. <laughs> you guys go with your sevens. I'll stay with the six, but I think it's I think it's really engaging. So it's fun. It means a lot coming from me because I don't like these type of movies. Really, they don't they don't hit me. Oh, there's so many good fucking high school. You know what, Nick? Yeah, Anyways. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Ferris two. Bueller. Fast time. All right, what's Ferris Bueller? Um, stay off. Uh, let's move on to the next category. <laughs> let's talk about originality. Let's talk about how chicken some roast shut beef your mouth. A pizza. Um, we <laughs> uh, in originality, we talk about how creative the movies were and how they stand out in their genre. So we can continue this conversation, Nick, uh, and just how creative <laughs> they are overall. Um, Layla, why don't you talk about it for, for Breakfast Club? Breakfast Club. Yeah, let's stick with that. Um, I gave it a six. Um, I just, I mean, John Hughes is like his own genre. I just, I think it's hard to like not acknowledge that John Hughes is just, when you say John Hughes, you know what movies you're like, you, everyone knows what movies you're talking about. Like he just has a way of making these films that no one else did or has done. And I still think that to this day, I don't, I can't think of another teen movie that hits the way that his movies do. Um, and I just think especially with this movie, this was one of the first films, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, one of the first films that I know of and remember that addressed, like, the intensity of being young and the intensity of being a teenager and the very real hardship that you face when you're trying to figure yourself out. And, like, that was just that, you know, it was so easy to make a fun, like, action-based or, like, comedy-based teenage movie. And to this day, that's still a lot of what they are. But um, he changed things up by doing this, and I love him for doing it. I think kids everywhere appreciated having a movie for everyone to see and acknowledge, yo, being young sucks, and it's really difficult. No matter who you are, what your situation is, things are really fucking hard. So yeah. I, I just think that in itself is such an original idea, and... And and also, the R rating as well. Like even to this day, there are yeah, very few movies point. where they decide to genuinely just like let these kids talk how they would. And I think it really aids this movie a lot. Yeah, like a movie like Superbad is like that as well. Like it just wouldn't be it. We wouldn't be able to resonate as much with those kind of or like Booksmart. You can't resonate as much if they're not yeah. like talking the way that kids talk. Hundred um, yeah. percent. What about you, Nick? Are you pretty similar? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you give it, Layla? A six. A six. I I am between a four and a five. Okay. Because <clears throat> it uses so many '80s tropes. It's not the first movie to 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 do any of them. It's not like it came up with these tropes. It just happens to be one of the most, if not the most, famous of those movies. Um, the main offenders are the Swan from an Ugly Duckling transition is. Allie. I mean, I know yeah. the Ali yeah. Sheedy scene. Ali is, Sheedy. Yeah, that's one I could just like. I don't. This does not need. It was just like, dude. And then I was reading through the the trivia, and there are many interviews where Ali Sheedy was like, "Yeah, I tried to get him not to do that, but he was like, but we gotta.' It's a you bad know? decision. And it's like, dude, it doesn't. It, it diminishes the movie, and so do all of the dancing scenes, which are stupid. And Molly Ringwald agrees. <laughs> They're fun as fuck. <laughs> There's so much they fun. They are stupid, no fun. and Molly Ringwald agrees. Well, so then Molly Molly's, Ringwald's not yeah, fun. Molly, Molly Ringwald's cons- a like, fucking who idiot. Who cares about Molly Ringwald? Yeah. She's irrelevant. <laughs> we just, like, turned so hard now. on Molly Ringwald. Yeah. <laughs> I've never liked Molly Ringwald, so. I've well, never been a huge fan. She's got, yeah. she, well, 
She's no Emma Stone, okay? (laughs) That's true. She's not her. She's not. (laughs) All right, what did you give it in it? What do you think you're going to land on? What did it give? I'm going to give it a five. Okay. (laughs) It's too too much. There's too many tropes that just aren't original. Like, do better, you know? So I'm going to give it a five. I... But I won't be I won't be average. It's not average, I guess. I'm kind of so I I agree with both of you. I'm kind of leaning more on what laying up. So I'm more at like a five point five because I just I do I think that this movie, even though it's cop, it's not copying or uh, but it's like um, pushing forward a lot of '80s tropes that you can see in a lot of movies. Um, and I don't think everything about the writing is super original. I think that this kind of built the foundation of a lot of great high school movies later, more so than any of John Hughes movies other than probably like 16 Candles, because I, I think there's there's been a lot of those coming of age stories about that. Um, yeah. But like, I mean, that was a great point, Layla, that you're talking about, like what other high school movies are really like tackling like how shitty it is for these kids like in different ways and not a lot you know like i could think of like dead poet society did that and then like the show degrassi that was like kind of the what it was but it was like you know that's like i think shows like that are yeah because of and exactly i mean i think they're they're trying to be breakfast club yeah dead Dead poet society might have been its own thing but like definitely the other things like degrassi like you wouldn't have degrassi without uh, Breakfast Club. You True wouldn't that. have the fucking new yeah. Jumanji movie. Not the newest one, but the first of the new ones is like they're in detention and they like come to like each other. Like that part of the story or whatever is fully yeah. Breakfast Club. <laughs> didn't didn't expect the the Jumanji well, remake to make. Well, I know. When you watch the trailer <laughs> for the Jumanji remake, that first trailer, we were all like, "Oh, so Breakfast Club meets video game Jumanji." Um, you, I want to, I want to point out how great of a point you just made thank uh, you. like that. That's like the, no, seriously, I'm now no, I'm realizing how many moments in TV, I'm ignoring you. <laughs> how many moments in TV and movie have used that detention thing? Yeah. Like it's, it's every, like every teen TV show I've ever watched has had an episode where a bunch of miss like kids from completely different cliques end up in detention and figure their shit out together. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> like that is everywhere. The movie's creativity, like its unique nature in the realm of 80s teen movies has led to it having a bigger legacy than most of 80s teen movies. And yes, I, you know, I, I love the contained aspect of it. I think some of the writing of the characters is just too superficial and like like, I don't even fully fucking understand Molly Ringwald's character in this movie. Like, I know the prude character, but, like, she's not really the prude character. And I know that means that she has more depth than that, but, like, I don't know. There's always just, like, one character I don't fully understand. But I, I still think it's, I, I you know, it, uh, I think it stands out in its own genre. So 5.5 for me. Um, what about right. St. Elmo's Fire? <laughs> oh, what about I mean, it? So what about it gets it anything more than a one? I mean, I'll give it a two. I, uh, it's, this is like the adult I, I spiritual follow-up to Breakfast Club. And, and you can like kind of think of it in that way. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very far removed from Breakfast Club because they've already graduated college at that point. But, I mean, here's the negative parts. The characters are super shallow, like super shallow, very uninteresting. You guys were talking about that earlier. No one, no one cares. They like, 
they don't care about each other, and that's kind of the point. But, like, no one cares about Billy except for the prude. Like, what? I don't fully get that part of it. Um, but I, the positive things are, like, the themes. God, it makes me so angry that that's how they labeled her in that movie. And I, you you called her that because that is how they label her in the movie 100%. I mean, movie, she's 100%. literally, like, the virgin. But it, you know? that's, like, that's, like, all they talk about. But it makes me so sad because she's, like, one of the few characters who's like a good put together human yeah. who has a real job who has a good job right but then they belittle like, her by calling her a virgin like it's God, part of the, but sorry, it, I, it helps yeah. that but the, the, it's like a good part of the, like her character is that he, that's how they that's how they treat her that's how they forget about her because she's a virgin not because she like is a social worker or anything you know i don't know God. anyway sorry go ahead i just uh. i just think a lot of the themes in this movie still resonate and i and like i think the movie deserves credit for that i i mean it definitely nails the weird period when you graduate college and you're trying to figure out what your life's purpose is but even better it's when you realize like you like for a lot of people you and your closest friends like might not be friends forever and that's like the end they kind of get to that I think that a movie like The Big Chill um, nails, like, better the theme of, oh, here's, like, a a person in our life that we forgot about and it brings us all together and then we realize we're so different at that point. You know, that's that's a way better movie. Um, But I think it nails that. Um, One thing that I... That's just weird about the movie. I love in a movie when they, like, say the name of the movie... uh, in the movie, like in normal dialogue, except they fail here. But they they don't call the movie Saint <laughs> Elmo's Fire because they go to the same bar that's called Saint El- Elmo's Bar. They they also call it Saint Elmo's Fire because for some reason Billy, in his ridiculous monolo- monologue, knows about this nautical fucking phenomenon called Saint Elmo's Fire, and like. <laughs> is able to figure out the analogy that would help Jules not be suicidal in that scene. It's so fucking weird. Um, it's upsetting. It's weird. It's also one of the foundational, like, Brat Pack things. And I do think, like, other movies have, like, tried to copy this. Like, I think that awkward moment is, like, a good... It, not a good movie, but, like, a fun version of this later with people that we love. So that's where I'm giving it a two. It's not the least original thing, you know? I'm actually... No, I'm, no. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go, Nick. <laughs> I gave it a two. I didn't give it a one. But I think that what... It's like what we said before. What is happening in this movie is you have a bunch of ideas that do resonate with people. They do make sense. People do struggle when they graduate college to figure... I mean, everyone is always struggling to figure out who they are. Not always, I guess. But... Most of the time, you're struggling to figure out who you are. That makes sense. And, I mean, in in a sense, I suppose it is realistic that many of them are sociopaths. A lot of people in their early 20s are probably also sociopaths. It's so true. You're right. Weird, are assholes horrible time. things. Yeah. But they're not glorified in the movies, and they shouldn't be. And you can't... Put you can't take the keys out of someone's ignition and put them in your pants and be like, "Get those keys, girl." Mm-hmm. That is not something you that should ever do. So it's unpleasant. not a good thing. Billy's a bad man, and he shouldn't be glorified. And neither should Rob Lowe. He's done terrible things. There's kind of this moment. Sorry, before Layla jumps in, there's kind of this moment where they get into like 
Rob Lowe's character kind of feels like um, what they were getting. Rob no, Lowe, what the they person? were getting at, at with uh, Zach Efron in Neighbors about like the the college kid who just can't like really move on from being the college kid yeah. and and is like yes. very problematic and can't see that he's problematic. Um, yes, which is fine. Show him drinking too much, like they do, and let that be the the extent of it. I just don't. Did don't he give need him to have a kid? Monologue. Like they could have had him be married. Did, did he need to have a kid? Like I just don't even. I know it got so weird so fast when you found out he had been, like yeah, I don't know. It just got. They threw he's still so many married. Things in there. Well, Throughout right, the whole movie, yeah. isn't he still technically married yeah, to that that woman? Bad. Layla, did you? Are you the same? Out of seven. I don't know if it's just like. I, I don't feel right giving it a two. I gave it a three. Okay. Only because below. I just, it has the backbone for a very original idea. You both have said it immensely at this point. Like it's. Thank you. There should, <laughs> there should be movies about figuring life out after college. It's really difficult. We, we've all been there after that point where you just don't know where to go next and you don't know what to do or. Like you said, Gabe, you figure out the people in your life might not be the right people to be in your life anymore and all of the Those are great, important storylines that they don't really do enough in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wish they just had executed it better. If they had, it would be a way higher score. It's just, it's below average. They did an awful job at executing a great idea. So the originality is there. They just fucked it up. I mean, it's fucking Joel point. Schumacher. It makes sense. All right. <laughs> I do think, though, uh, you, you said something mm-hmm. earlier, Gabe, that I want to touch on because I just feel like yeah, I Yeah, touch I, me, I baby. Because I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Judd Nelson's character in St. Elmo's Fire, his political flip-flopping foreshadows his infidelity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he didn't he, put that together afterwards and was like, no, that's It's such a specific, I like, I, I mean, there are people like him. Like, I, I know people like that. But, like, the... That's the problem with the whole movie is that we know people like that, but the movie it just doesn't, doesn't resonate work. enough. It's a resonant movie, but it doesn't resonate enough. That's kind of how I would put it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, <laughs> way different words. Um, let's talk about our next category. Let's do eye candy next. Um, talk about the visual elements. Uh, we let's start with Saint Elmo's Fire because it will be pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Joel Schumacher is definitely a flashier director than uh, John Hughes, and but like he's way less inventive. This movie is not personal at all. Like part of the reason why we don't care about these characters is like visually, they he doesn't make you care about these characters. The camera is like not revealing much about their personalities. I, I care about their sanity because they all look like they were dressed. Yeah, the by outfits a are fucking absurd. I mean, the point of the outfits makes sense. Allie, be- Allie looks fucking fabulous. Yeah. in Saint Elmo's well, she, Fire. She, her like, outfits okay. are fire, and her she character's not great. wild. You know, until like yeah. the end where she like. Is kind of a fucked up person, but anyway. But yes, the social uh, worker looks utterly ridiculous. I no mean, one is ever dressed like that. Andrew McCarthy's character with his like cargo, like, <laughs> but he, he like he made sense to me though. He kind that is kind of like a lot of like 
It, yeah, it, that was his personality and a, like a fair amount of 80s fashion involved. <laughs> like, well, there's the, there's the guy who wants to grow up too fast, is always wearing suits and stuff, you know, for his work. There's mm-hmm. the guy who doesn't want to grow up but thought he was cool in college but can't really get over the fact that he's not cool anymore. You get a lot of that with Andrew McCarthy. But then with like Rob Lowe, it's like, oh, I actually want to be like – I would. everyone thought I was really fucking hot at a very – like probably like ninth grade or something. I want to continue that fashion style for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little shallow in the way that you do that. Um, but like, this isn't a surprise. Joel Schumacher is the one who put nipples on the bat suit. So like this dude is, he, he loves a lot of like homoerotic, uh, like things in movies. He's like very famously will insert them into movies. Um, I mean, that's what you get in the like saxophone scene. Um, one thing I do love, it's ridiculous, but the production design in this movie is funny as fuck. Like, like you mentioned Jules' apartment is, is absurd. No one would live in that. But, and, and like even the studio apartment, well, it's like almost a studio apartment that Andrew McCarthy and Emilio Estevez live in is ridiculous. It also looks fucking cool. It's like way too cool oh for God. how pathetic it is. Um, Ali and Judd Nelson's apartment is, is just like... It's goals. A lot. I want that yeah. apartment. I want it so cool. bad. And it, it's ridiculous because like no 22-year-old would have oh like a place God. like that. But yeah, it's absolutely it's basically Schumacher like Schumacher like having an idealized like fantastical vision of what the coolest ki- kids that are right out of college would have or something. And it makes it fun. It's pretty to look at, but overall, I mean, I gave it a 2 out of 7. I I don't I don't think the eye candy is ever going to be talked about much more than that. I gave it a three. I don't think it's that big a deal. I just want to highlight why, why are Kevin and Leslie uh, moist as fuck when they bang? They're so yeah, moist. I said the like, same thing. What yeah. was the deal? Dripping. It's Did passionate. They, they are just, they're like suddenly dripping though. They're not like gra- like gradually as the scene gets hotter and heavier. They're like, wow. Those, Wait, they no, really but they fuck working. in the shower too. They must be working it. And then they're no, they are moist before yeah, the shower. Yeah, it's on the chair. It starts on the chair. Yeah, they are, but it's like, boom. And then like, on the coffin, we're Haven't sweaty. You ever had sex? Like it's it's you <laughs> are like, you ever it's had like sex? you just got out of the rain, dude. Hot rain. The moment. The moment that they kiss, they just immediately become beady. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. With, with sex so do. It just, it's just it's the 80s. I don't know. I attest that concept of just the 80s. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That's all. I'm going to give it a three. I, don't, I, I agree that it doesn't look horrible. I just think that if, if that's actually what people look like in the 80s, then count me out. Because Kevin McCarthy looks like a fucking an tool. actual ill person uh i gave it a three and i'll I'll keep it short i mean it's just it's basic it's not it's not anything great i don't think anything about it is super bad nothing about like typically when we talk about eye candy on these episodes we're talking about like editing and and shots and the the way that they use it none of that matters in this movie they shot it it was fine it wasn't bad nothing about it was awful I do have to say the scene where Demi Moore is like trying to kill herself by freezing herself. That whole scene is like it's so ridiculous looking. It's so ridiculous, and I think like the way that like her like p- lavender curtains are blowing and the it way looks that like they're a shooting George her Michael rocking back and forth. Video. Yeah, it, it kind of does. Yeah. It totally. It's so fantastical. Like, 
And the way they shoot it visually is just kind of dumb to me, too. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not the worst shooting I've ever seen of a film, yeah, but it's not it great. Yeah. It's not great. It It's just, yeah, it's not the best <laughs> to look at. Um, let's talk about Breakfast side. Club. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, this is... The editing is weirdly really, really good in this movie. And this so is like, good. obviously, as Nick mentioned last time, I'm someone who's like crazy about editing now. But like, I really like, no, like, there's so much purpose between the, behind the edits in this and, and the close ups and stuff. And, and he understands the characters. It's very personal. That's what I was trying to get at that Joel Schumacher, like, couldn't get. You know, a lot of the, they get like the power dynamics between the different characters. Re- like they handle it really well. I love also how the school's its own character visually. It's yeah. like, and that mm-hmm. that lends to the contained aspect of the movie. Um, there's one random shot that say, say it again. Uh, contained. Oh, contained. <laughs> um, I love the shot that's just their shoes walking up when they're like running away from Vernon and it's, it's so specific in that scene, but it's just cool. And then you get the montage like right then where they're avoiding uh, Vernon. But my favorite shot of the movie and where I can really see the editing and the, um, the, like how close the lenses that they're using, like how close up with the characters, my favorite shot. And I'll always remember it is, is just them sitting all together on the top floor of the library. It's the poster. And yeah, yeah, and the way that they're laid out in it, it's just like iconic. And then he uses editing so well between the characters and what mm-hmm. characters are reacting emotionally to the other characters' dialogue. It's really well yeah. handled. So I give it a five. I still don't think it's like absolutely incredible visual filmmaking. And I don't think a lot of these type of 80s movies are. But I think it's above average, and, and I was close to a six for editing. So I gave it a six. Go for it. <laughs> um, I gave it a six, actually, because I never realized up until this rewatch, because obviously we're thinking about these categories as we're watching them, just how much the visuals affect how you feel about the characters in this movie. Yeah. And I hate that I'm about to say it. It's a confined space, and it's... I didn't want to use contained because I didn't want you to react. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's it's a very small space, but they somehow (laughs) somehow it's still just as magical, and that's a really difficult thing to do. And I think they utilize every corner of that room in a very special way. Um, But the profile shots on the on the actors are great when they're like telling their own stories or when they're talking, and um, the way like so that whole beginning portion of the film where they're seated in the tables is it's miraculous the way that he shoots that because they're all facing forward but like he gets these great shots of like reaction sh- like when they turn to Ali Sheedy when mm. she's doing her stuff like the reaction shots from a couple of yeah. them and um how it like as you said how it edits to characters reacting to like Judd doing his monologues and his like episodes and what he does um it's it's such Honestly, like the visuals feel like just this other entity in the movie. Like it truly does. And like the way that they um, 
block the actors and stuff like when you were talking about that iconic shot of them sitting in the half circle talking even the way that each character is sitting too Mm. is like really telling of the character as well so the way that they're like it's partially acting but i'm sure that their director told them how they needed to position themselves in that moment for that shot um so i just think that I mean, I ha- I think I have to give it a six because I think if they didn't focus as much as they had on the visuals and created these really fun moments like the dancing, like that dancing shot is one of the most famous shots of all time. Like <laughs> Ali Sheedy and Molly Ringwald doing their tiny little step dance while they're high on top of that thing is like ingrained in everyone's brain. And yeah. those the montage running through the hallway, that shot of them sliding as they're running in the hallway. It's, yeah, it's so Scooby Doo. Incredible. Like, it's cool. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> um I just think if you if you diminish any of the visuals in, in this movie, it would not be as incredible as it is. And I don't think people realize how much the visuals are guiding them to understand these characters. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Very true. I, I was thinking this whole movie about Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like we were talking about using, you know, uh, visuals to convey humor. And Breakfast Club does that yeah. so well. Like you said. I'm in between a five and a six. I think Layla's impassioned speech might push me up to a six. Yeah, it was great. You also you 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 had to purposely just say they used every inch of that room in such a special way to to go off the contained, <laughs> oh, contained. thing we were doing. You had you had to know you were saying yeah. that, right? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it was just really funny. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with a six because I do think that all those scenes where they turn, I mean, especially I I wrote that down too. the Ali Sheedy where she's, they're looking at her like, dude, that's not a sandwich. Yeah, it's they like the like first scene where she's masterpiece. like biting her nails is like perfect. All the, all the reaction oh, yeah. shots totally to Ali are just person. great. <laughs> yeah. Judd, yeah. The Judd Nelson, even though a lot of them are reacting to Judd Nelson, the ones that are individually him being like, are you fucking serious? Like to uh, uh, Brian, uh, Brian's character. They're so great. Um, it's so, it's a testament to the directing and five and, and a half. The, the um, <laughs> again, yeah, but then it'll be a full number. Um, That's yeah, true. No. Thanks. Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. I do a five and a half because I, I do really agree with that. I just like, it's so tough for me. I'm so picky about like cinematography and like how something looks because, and I don't want to, do too many sixes on this podcast and then be like, oh, really? I gave that a six, but also this but I like, think Quentin Tarantino I c- movie. I six? think I can make you feel better about it, though, because I do think like a six can you can give it a six for very different reasons. Like visuals are important for their own reasons within a film for what the film is. And yeah. I think for what this movie is, this the visuals were just as important in this movie. Yeah, that's what sold be. me. That's what sold me to go half a point up. um all right let's finish it off then let's uh let's talk about legacy what the lasting legacy of these movies were very excited about this well if you're so excited why don't you talk about breakfast club's legacy i have so much to say okay um i'm gonna start with like the basic okay obviously this is just one of the most beloved high school movies of all time by a lot of people like this is john hughes you know, everyone knows this movie. Everyone knows that shot that you're referring to, Gabe. All of them sitting in the half circle, the mm-hmm. poster. Everyone knows those dancing moments, the boys with their arms, you know, like everyone knows that shit. This movie is, it's well known. Um, 
But I think I got to bring up, <laughs> obviously, there's like in- intense diversity and inclusion issues in this movie. And I thought a lot about this because like there are a lot of memes on the Internet now that refer to just how white this breakfast club is. Um, and I think and I thought about this a lot. I actually had a couple of conversations with different friends about this. Um, I like this is John Hughes making a film about a high school that's mirrored off of his own in northern Illinois, like in the suburbs, very white region area. <laughs> um, but obviously, when you're making movies in general, you hope that film includes the majority and what it should look like. And it would have been very easy for him to have put in an LGBTQ character into this mix of people or a person of color. But he didn't. And it was also the 80s. And that was not common. (laughs) Inclusivity was not common Mm -hmm. in the 80s in film. I mean, we're still dealing with Oscars too white like three years ago. You know what I mean? So it's not, you know, it's not a perfect system. But as far as legacy goes, I think this film is going to be hurt by that. Because I do think the generations after us, like Gen Z and Next, have only grown up in a society where that is a part of the conversation. And it is just an automatic that inclusivity is important. And I don't know if this movie is going to hit the same way with future generations if they watch it Mm. and they don't see what they they know they should be seeing when they're watching a movie like this because it does not encompass all peoples. And to be perfectly fair, as much as every person's issues are valid, etc. These are very white privilege issues in a lot of these characters. Like, yeah. you know, the the door kid has got an F and he's like, it, the pressure of that is going to kill him. But then we've got kids across this country who are dealing with much worse. You know, like it's, there's a lot of privilege in the issues these kids are facing. Not to say that they're not important issues or that they shouldn't be addressed. But um, I do think it'll be really interesting to talk about this category 10 to 15 years from now to yeah. see if this is just a movie that our generation might be the last that adheres to it. Cause we had like older cousins or people that were like, you got to watch this movie. Cause you're just going to love it. Um, Cause now you've got mean girls and movies like that, that like talk about high school that like have all the tropes and stereotypes mm-hmm. in high school that have clicks um, that have inclusivity in it that encompass more. Um, mean anyways, girls has so inclusivity? I, yeah, there's an LGBTQ character in it. There's a black character in it. I don't know if they handle it. the fucking LGBTQ characters storyline very well. Certainly, and era. that's that's a whole other conversation. They, you know, a lot of movies in the early 2000s didn't handle those characters exactly the way that they should have. But my point being, there is people of color in the movie. Like there is yeah. literally none in this movie. Yeah, um, it's a very white movie. So. I kind of struggled with the scoring because I, I, I feel like automatically this movie is a six or a seven because of its history and how important it is to teenage film and because it's just beloved. But I think if it were 10 to 15 years from now, I wouldn't be giving it a seven. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I'm actually I'm glad you brought that up. And I wasn't even thinking of the diversity issue just because I, I just know a lot of 80s movies did not handle that and they just didn't yeah. seek out diverse casts and um you know maybe some, how it was i mean i, I don't even sure. know i'm trying to think of an an 80s teen movie where there's a 
a character of color. Well, there's even. 16 candles, and it's extremely problematic because it's, it's long. It's incredibly problematic. Yeah. John Hughes in general well, okay, is problematic. Yes, like a, like a good character. No, of color. Yeah. sorry. <laughs> like, like well, no, it's and just not 80s, 80s, but like Days and Confused, like has a little bit of diversity. I mean, well, there's one black. And actor. I want to, <laughs> I want to premise, I want to premise with, I, I know that. That's just how the time was. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying right. as far as legacy in our category, we talk a lot about how things age. Yeah. And I, I just don't think this yeah. is going to age well. I, I agree with that. I mean, even yeah. I... Sorry, go ahead, Gabe. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I don't even think it's just that. Like, I think some of the gender issues in this movie are not really handled that well. I don't think For they sure. depict girls in a very great way. And I don't think they... You know, they try to get into it a little bit with uh, Molly Ringwald's character, but they kind of abandon it at some point. I think Allie does a really great job in the that scene where she refer she she calls it out. She literally says, "You have no choice. You are either this or that because that's what we're labeled as women." Yeah, so they, yeah, they get yeah. to it, which is fair. But the, so make me look. But then crazy. there's yeah. But then there's <laughs> yes, the Allie Sheedy Al- scene that's Allie's like transformation. Hey, if yeah, you put absolutely. on some makeup, the popular boy will like you. And that uh-huh. I fucking I do not like. I cringe every time I see and that. And the actress went to the director and was like, "I don't know if we should do that." And he was like, but, "Oh, but, but no, but Nick, but it's but we have." They didn't to. listen to, to right? women back then, so <laughs> that's true. What was he gonna do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, no. There's like a lot of problems. I also, I mean, everyone knows this movie. Everyone recognizes it. At some point, you watch it. Um, you know, maybe that won't be the case in ten years because it doesn't reflect uh the pot like our population in the united states but everyone would be able to like recognize what this movie is um and i as we talked about earlier a lot of stuff has derived from this movie um and that helps its legacy personally for me beyond just like the objective issues with it i just care like we were talking about this beforehand i just care a lot more about other 80s teen movies more than this like it's not something like, it's something I could say, yeah, I love Breakfast Club, but I wouldn't be like, yeah, let's watch Breakfast Club. Like, it just, it's not a, like, really big rewatchable movie for me. It's, like, my 12th favorite 80s teen movie. So, I, but I'm still giving it a six because it is, it's just, you can't, everyone knows what Breakfast Club is. That's got to yeah. be huge for its legacy. Yeah. No, you're right. And I think, I mean, that's, I'm going to give it a six. I think I normally would have given it a seven if I wasn't thinking about the fact that even now in our current climate, people are probably, they're already talking about it. I've seen memes on the internet talking about how white this movie is. I so, love memes. you know, the best. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to give it a six. Yeah. I think it's still just everything, but it's over time, it's <laughs> probably not going to age well in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, and Nick, what were you, you were going to say to something about, earlier? We still have to talk about St. Elmo's oh, fire after this. Uh, I. <laughs> I was definitely at a I was at a seven. Um, you've convinced me to move down to a six because I the diversity issue is problematic. The thing I brought up before about how s- not great it is that it's just like like Ali Sheedy's character doesn't need to like be wearing something different at the end, especially since Emilio already likes her in the movie. Like it's already established yeah. that he I likes her. Like it's I, just, I mean, besides so... the dandruff thing, like I think she's pretty hot when, <laughs> early on. Like I think she's actually prettier early on. <laughs> the dandruff thing is honestly sort of a talent. No. So that's like she's an lot. artist, guys. Yeah, she is. Oh, yeah. both uh, method. And I was. You know, I even I was thinking of what you said, Layla, about like that it is it is like for like quote unquote first world problems, like white people problems. Even Judd Nelson's like abuse 
the, he, he and the director didn't even agree on whether or not he was telling the truth about that. Yeah. If it was so theatrical, like, yeah. What if it's theatrical and it's not even like a real problem he has? Yeah. Then the oh, movie is just like, shame, wow. Dude. They're all just. Well, that's not victim shaming. Well, if I he mean, is a victim, you are shaming him. But if he's not a victim, if he is, then... but no, it's uh, it's not a critique of people who. It's abuse. it's interesting it's a though, Nick, because like that's it's a critique of the movie, cr- the creation of the movie. Yeah, it, it's that is like the old. I did write down that that is like the only like they they definitely address class in this movie pretty intensely because of yes. Molly Ringwald and her just insane amount of privilege. Um. With her diamond earrings and her sushi. I'm sorry, we haven't addressed her sushi. I did sit down and try to think of a more appropriate meal for a popular girl to have brought to lunch than sushi in the 80s. Um, she should have brought a salad. I just don't. I don't. Why did she bring sushi? It wasn't sushi necessary. Sushi fucking rocks. And I mean, she's sushi's incredible, but no high school person on planet Earth would bring like a prepackaged sushi. Maybe that was his idea of diversity. No, is he was going to bring in diverse food? 100%. 100% in Palm Desert. Oh, God. The popular girl brought sushi. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even happen sure. to LG, my God. I, I see, I see, I've seen it. I've seen it. Seen it. Um, I'm going to go with a six. So we're at so we're at a, a total 18 for that category. Okay. All right. Uh, let's Saint finish Elmo's off with fire. St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, uh, can I leave yeah, off? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because I really don't want to end the podcast talking about Rob Lowe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll let you guys go after me because I saved it until now. I teased it. Oy vey. Uh Layla did not want me to talk about, did not Just want me do to it, ruin, ruin it Rob for, for her. But I've recently had Rob Lowe ruined for me because he filmed himself when he was 24 years old having sex with a 16-year-old girl. And later, much later, when he was an adult, said it was the best thing that's ever happened what? to him. What? Why would he say that? Because... And this is a, the good part of the worst story. Oh, I, I know where this he, um, it, it made him, the scandal uh, made him uh, realize that he needed to be sober. And him being sober made him realize that he had met the love of his life. And him meeting the love of his life led to his two beautiful sons. And So he, he groomed a girl and then grew up and had millions of dollars and everyone loved him. So... That's the the moral of the story. Um, the rest of Saint Elmo's Fire also doesn't work uh, because it has <laughs> moving into no self awareness, much like Rob Lowe, who in that interview has no self awareness. It's the movie's just like if you threw the '80s in a blender and you pulsed it. There's too much going on. It's not refined. It's transparently a cash cow. It comes out nine months after the other movie that we're talking about, and is originally. Uh, 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 pitched as a sequel, and then they're like, "No, we shouldn't do that." And then, and then three of the lead actors from the other movie are recommended to this director because they work well in the other movie, and so it's essentially just a worse, older, nasty twin brother to this other movie that we're talking mm-hmm. about, and it just does not work. It's so. It's just a gross movie. If you really like think about it. Yeah. I don't even think you have to really think about it. I think it's very openly a gross, gross, That's gross true. movie. Yeah, like it's point. just, uh, where are you at with yeah. it, Layla? Um, what was your score, Nick? 
Uh, two. Yeah, okay. It's almost as gross as Judd Nelson hawking a loogie up into the air and back into his own fucking mouth. I thought that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's not awesome. It's repulsive. It's the same shit that was in his mouth before. What's gross about it? I, He's recycling. I can I can mute you. <laughs> I'm going to do it in front of you. <laughs> On the Zoom. <laughs> All right, Layla, what did you um, think? Yeah, I gave it a two. I only even gave it a two. I was so close to giving it a one, but I only gave it a two because it is still well known. Like if you say the movie out loud, everybody knows yeah. what you're talking about. And that's the only reason it gets that. It's just. <laughs> they, they, they don't think you're talking about the nautical phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my so God. Um, yeah, it. Uh, Every, every, literally every single thing about this movie ages poorly. There's not a single thing that ages well. It just doesn't. Uh, I, no, I, it's, it's kind of respectful to uh, prostitutes. That's true. She's a good character. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down, I have like, I, I literally had to write down a list of all of the toxic moments in this movie. Oh, there's a lot of homophobia you, in it. Did, it's you, just, did you rank them? It's just too long. I mean, Emilio's number one. Just his, him entirely. Just all of him. Everything Yeah, but then him. they made the show You, so like he's a pretty fucking <laughs> normal person compared to Joe from You. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's comparable in my mind. I honestly, yeah. Joe's more I honestly, uh, like he's more enticing than than Emilio. Oh God! Oh God! Ew, yeah. Dude. I mean, just yeah. Every 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 fucking thing. Like it's it's. I mean the the entirety of Rob Lowe's character as well is just unbelievably yeah. awful. And the scene where he shoves Demi Moore's face into his crotch made me have to pause the movie and get up and be like, I don't know if I can keep going. Like, I literally was like, I don't know if I even want to finish this movie for the podcast. Dude, then she gets to, like, the chick burn right afterwards where she's like, you break my heart. Then again, you break everyone's heart. Yeah. And I was like... And then dude, all of a sudden he realizes like, he's a shitbag and is like, I'm sorry. Fuck it. It's like three... Dude, no, no. It's like two minutes after he tells his baby mama that he's not going to be with any other women yeah. and then he yeah. like, immediately puts his keys Coked in his out. pants and is like get him yeah. get the keys yeah. it's just yeah everything is awful and then of course um just the entire and i don't know what was with the 80s in this but the entire entire social worker storyline and not just the let's point <laughs> out you're a virgin every two seconds but her father's need for her to be married off and stop working as well. I'm sure that was definitely a thing at that time. Like, I'm sure oh, that I existed. That and that believable. was like, I'm sure it was believable, but it doesn't like age well when you watch it. You're just like, God fucking damn it. Like, I hate this. Like, it's, yeah. it's just, it's hard. Everything about it's hard to watch is my point. There's like, yeah, that would be a Good normal point. thing to watch in the movie. And you'd, you'd be able to swallow it because you're like, okay, that's that's realistic. It's fine. But because of everything else, I just hate everything that's happening. So, uh, yeah, it's really bad. Go ahead. I didn't babe. know <laughs> until going into this rewatch, like, how critically hated this movie was. Like, I always thought this was yeah. a classic, like, Breakfast Club. And, I mean, critics, like, it was like a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, like a 35 on Metacritic. It's just garbage. But it was considered a box office hit at the time. It was made with ten million and made twenty seven million off of that, um, which at the time was good. Um, most people haven't seen this 
compared to the Brat Pack movies, but people recognize it. But I think anyone who recognizes it and has never seen it would just assume it's about firefighters or something. Because <laughs> before I watched it, I was like, oh, like I don't want to watch this movie about fucking firefighters falling in love. <laughs> <laughs> fucking firefighters. firefighters. Um yeah, Do you want to um, know what I thought it was about before I had ever seen it? Yeah. Boy. I thought, the nautical phenomenon? <laughs> I thought it was about a volcano exploding. Oh, uh, like Dante's Inferno? <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Inferno. Yeah. I. It's still fairly wa- popular. It was It was really – it's a really big, like, rewatchable movie because of the actors in it. And it just used to be – I remember it being on TV all the time on HBO. Um and they're turning it into an NBC show, like, next year or this year or something. Oh, Jesus, no. No, they can make Come it okay. On. It's just going to be a typical, like, sitcom. I don't know. I give I mean, it that's, a two. I that's, mean, that's kind of what we said, though. If they kept the backbone and they stopped being problematic as fuck, this could be a great concept. So maybe there's a shot at this being, like, But is great. it after the it's movie? basically... When they're all just like, let's get brunch, but we all... I bet you well, it's just the concept. The final None scene of, of the chill. movie kind of makes you think they're not going to be friends anymore or the majority of them are not going to be friends. You know, once Billy leaves, they're like, Oh, there's nothing really tying us that much together except for that three of the characters are like in a love triangle. Um, like they're going to fucking forget about Jules like immediately. And, uh, <laughs> oh, Leslie, no. <laughs> May, uh, yeah, May's character. Anyways, well, so that, uh, finishes it off. Nicholas, what <laughs> are the scores? Oh man, this is going to be pretty brutal. It is 91. Out of 105. That's club. great. Nice. Out of 105. V, v good. Uh, you gave St. Elmo's a six in Legacy Game? No. I gave it a two. A two? A two. Sorry. The total was six. Yeah. My bad. I, yeah, I, I gave it a six out of wrong. seven. I thought really it, it aged as well. It aged so well. Uh, him, it aged like fine him, My bad. Uh, it's at 42. Out of 105. For that's well, not nearly as bad as I was expecting. But yeah, that's not great. I think we were kind. To be do you honest, guys want to but... do some, uh, give out some accolades, some awards for these movies? Yeah. Yes. Uh, who won these Please. movies? We have... Cocaine. Cocaine for sure won. Well, at least one of the movies. <laughs> Actually didn't. It really didn't win. Uh, uh, we were saying... What do you mean? That's not... Those aren't pixie sticks. She's putting oh, straight thing. up. <laughs> Damn, she's dumping a lot of cocaine, like thousands of dollars <laughs> worth of cocaine on that, and then yeah, crunching Cappy Crunch cocaine. Uh, cocaine we and were saying, crunch. I think Ali Sheedy won these two movies, yeah, because she's yeah, great. She in ate both. all that yeah. cocaine, and she's just great <laughs> in both, and and like so different in each of them, and it really like works in each of them. Um, with like Judd Nelson's also great, but we have another award for him. Um, <laughs> What lost these movies or who lost these movies? I guess friendship like won one movie and friendship like lost the other. True Uh, that. (laughs) Relationships were blossoming in one and relationships were very much falling apart in the other. Um, So Mm. humans, they lost in this. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Morals. I don't know. Yeah, LVP is probably Rob Lowe. Um, He's also not even (laughs) that good in St. Elmo's Fire, so I'm glad that we shout on him. Yeah, he's only he's good at the saxophone. Wait, weren't you gonna say the LVP being their careers after this? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I forget. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Ruined your own. Yeah, I mean, joke. their careers. 
the, none of them except for Rob Lowe Rob and Lowe, Demi Moore like, really apparently. had careers after this. Uh, and we hey, haven't even Molly seen Ringwald, in, like, years. Molly Ringwald did Secret Life of the American Teenager with Shailene Woodley. And never forget is that that good? is the worst TV show of oh, all fucking okay. time. Well, so she's the LVP. <laughs> uh, comeback Player of the Year, performance that grew on you over the course of time or the movie. We were saying Anthony Michael Hall is Brian. Because he gets yes. his big emotional moment later and he just starts out as a nerd. Uh, six man, person who did the most with the least like the least amount of time. Easily Carl the janitor in because yeah. Paul Gleason's in too much of Breakfast Club. Whereas Carl yeah. is just amazing. When he tells those kids off, like he's like, You guys think that like I I'm just some fucking low life pathetic person? Fuck you. Like I'm dope. Yeah. Um, yeah, that whole scene where he's standing above them on the railing and says yeah. all that shit down to them is incredible. And at the end, like, he's just, like, yeah. happy. He knows that they went through some shit. Yeah. Do you guys know that was supposed to be Rick Moranis? Oh, that would have been a problem. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was It was supposed to be Rick Moranis, and he... he I, I think that he might have been casted, but John Hughes was like, dude, this is not working. You gotta no, go. that's way too goofy. Because he was, he was doing it as like a russian no oh my god dude bring back rick i read it and i was like how does that even make sense in the do not it doesn't it don't it it do not dude it It do not um cy young award person throwing the most heat yeah it's gotta be judd nelson he is just going off in breakfast club i mean in both of them but especially breakfast club flame any other awards you would give out layla No, I think we did a good job. Cool. Can't think of any others. I'm pretty proud of us, too. Do you guys have recommendations of things like this that people should watch? Nah, Back to the Future Part 1, Back to the Future Part 2, Back to the Future What's your guys' favorite John Hughes movie? Back to the Future Part 1? No, I don't know. No, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, that's John Hughes. Yeah, okay, that one. Because I thought Fast Times was, but that's Cameron Crowe. Different. Mine's Pretty in Pink. Oh, interesting. So if, really? if you guys, if anyone hasn't seen Pretty in Pink, you should. I think Pretty in Pink is like kind of his like lesser known or lesser watched one. And I no, just. No, I think a lot yeah. of people have seen it. Don't we have a match? Yeah, we're doing Pretty in, uh, in Pink candles. and 16 Candles. Yeah. And I like Pretty guys, in Pink more too, I think. It's it's my it's my man. It's Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I yeah. I love forgot Andrew about McCarthy that. He's really good so in that. much. Yeah, he's really uh, good at it. I think I accidentally called him Kevin McCarthy earlier. You did, but different it was very, But also, yeah. yeah. Very different Very different. Um, oh, you're talking about the politician. Uh, I recommend About Alex. It's like the remake of uh, The Big... I recommend The Big Chill as well, but it's like a remake of The Big Chill with uh, Max Greenfield and... Uh, uh, Aubrey Plaza, and it's got a lot of people you would recognize if you look it up. I I really like it. It's really depressing, but it's also pretty funny in moments. Uh, And the other one is The Spectacular Now, like honestly one of my favorite uh, teen movies. It's not really a teen comedy. Such a great teen movie. But it's It's about like not willing to grow up um, and take accountability. Uh, And Miles Teller is really great in that. Same with Shailene. And Shailene. Shailene is good. Brie Larson's also very good in that. Um, Any others? Okay, no. next week, we got a special guest. We got a very funny comedian coming on. Her name is Julia Stone, and we are going to be doing Princess Bride versus 
Robin Hood Men in Tights. We're getting the two Carrie Elwes movies, baby! Two movies that just made up a lot of my early life. And if you're not down with that, then you're not down with me. But if you are down with me and our podcast, you should follow us on social media and go to Instagram uh, where you can look up Facing Off Pod and you can find us there uh, and find out what other movies we're going to be doing. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, Just look up Facing Off Pod or go to twitter.com slash Facing Off Pod. You could send us emails if you want to let us know what you thought about these movies or if you have any... uh, uh, redeeming qualities about Rob Lowe that you'd like to share? Yeah, or if you are a job department out there and you want to just say hello to Facing Off, uh, send us an email at facingoffpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send off? Dinosaurs are obsolete. Marriage is still around. Wasted love! <laughs> <laughs>